Hello and welcome to the Freedom Baptist Church podcast from Freedom Baptist Church in Mineola, Texas, where we're free from the chains of sin and death. Thank you for listening and please enjoy. led to years and years of destruction, which eventually put me before the Wood County Courts. And I thought it was a game. Again, and again, and again. And eventually, I gained enough attention from the Wood County Courts, and I got a nice 20 year sentence. Nice little vacation. Yep, in the community, Mail brought to me. But when I entered that place, I was still very angry, hurt, and broken into And when you go into the prison system, your life is life, your life is life, your family is family. I didn't want nothing. I hated myself, I hated him, I hated the others, and I wanted my partner. 
and I was very destructive not only to myself, but to everyone around me. And to kind of back up, I was in a relationship at a point in time and was involved in a church. And, and I'll say it like this. I was serving a church. I wasn't serving God. And I left a lot of holes all the way around my family and inside of me, which let me know for that. And in that attack, I watched things happen to my family. And then my father was going through his things at the time. And I just stepped back and I said, you know, this, this, is, this is God. This is, this is a God that I've been serving. And no. So I became very angry with God. And I can remember the words coming out of my mouth about 20 minutes before hitting a towel I had on in Mount Vernon. So I'm doing my time, and I'm doing it the way I wanted it, and I was not another person even in there. If you had it, I was going to take it. If you challenged me, I was going to take it. I've got the scars, and I've still got the memories. I remember one day, I got to Sally, and if you don't know, Sally is my roommate. Um, and, uh, So the guy comes in and 
He's standing at the cell door. They're on the door. And I'm sitting on the edge of the bunk. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to put my Bible on. During the time that that Bible sat before he come in, I'm laying up there and I'm just enraged at what I put into God and what I believe God was supposed to have done and, and, and there was a whole lot of me-me's and high-highs. And then just as loud as I'm speaking to you guys, and, and I've never heard God speak, I heard him say, pick me up again. And the voice comes from that table, comes from that Bible. And I look outside the bunk and I'm like, I'm going to go to sleep. Pick me up again. Pick me up again. Pick me up again. Pick me up again. And at this point, I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Fine. I'll pick you up again, but if you've let me down my whole life, and I'll just, what we do, we call it drive-by, I just flip it on. Boom. And I've never, never seen scripture like that before. Words were coming off the page. Scriptures I've seen a thousand times in my life. Were li- I mean, just, you talk about revel- you talk about revelation and God speaking to you. I had never consumed so much knowledge and understanding of what God, who he was, why he was, and, and just the whole thing. And it, for a split moment, there was nobody else in the world but me and God. And, and, and the more pages I turned, and I'm literally, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest, things were coming off the page, and I could feel it running through my body. And I broke right there. So here I am, peckerwood of the year, on the floor, bawling. I had no choice. It's like God, he took in his hands, put them on my shoulders, but at the same time, he just wrapped himself around me. So the guy comes in, and he's like, I left my Bible out. I said, we're going to talk about that Bible, dude. And I forgot to put it up. No, no, no. TC, if you're in a cell, you've got your steel door, and you've got an expanded metal window. There's no glass. It's just expanding metal. Like it's on your parking lot. Well, if you've got to take care of your issues in there, then you take your towel, and you poke it through the grate, and it'll cover you. It's just your curtain. Well, I put it through there and I covered the curtain up. And when I turned around, he'd come back all the way up the corner and covered his face. I said, pull your hands down. He said, no, I don't see this. I said, move your hands. We're going to talk about this Bible. I said, I want you to give me one. And he looked at me and he said, What? You're not going to beat me up? No, not today, but I want you to get me a Bible. And just to look on his face, and just, of course, his shoulder dropped because he was a little guy. He was, he was, he was going to be bad. But me and that brother sat there all night, till early in the morning, till they come along, and we prayed, and we cried, and we shared with one another. But I knew. When that door rolled open in the morning, I couldn't go out there and pick wood no more. I couldn't go out there and black it no more. 
All my life, I have lived life to the edge, to the fullest. For all that crap, for all that darkness, for all that evil, you know, it was bad. And I knew that when I walked out that door, I had to live that way for him. Because now the understanding and the renewing of the mind and everything that had took place in that cell in 12 hours' time, I had to go out there and represent that. Now in prison, you fight to watch TV. You fight to go find a new pair of shoes. It skin up. And I knew when I went up there and I told them boys at the table what I was going to do with my life and how I was going to live, I knew what was coming. So I walked out to the table, I said, look out guys, I can't, I can't live with you guys no more. Come on, man, what are you talking about? Give my life to Christ in that cell. I said, man, don't even start that. Don't, no, no. Because if you do, we're coming under the stairs. And I said, well, okay, we've been under stairs a thousand times. Let's go. So here we go. That's the first time we're And then the second. And then the busted lips. And then both eyebrows hung down over my cheeks. To the point where the majors are going, what's going on? Just tell us. Fail coming out of the I had to represent that to the fullest. And I'm going to tell you what. You want to talk about fighting prison. Go in there and tell them you're going to be a Jesus group. Go in there and tell them you're going to represent Jesus Christ. Go in there and tell them you're going to start going to church on Sundays. Go in there and tell them you're going to start praying. Go in there and tell them you ain't got time to sit down here and wood with the boys. Because now you wood with the king. And you fight. And you fight every day, physically. It finally quit. And they finally respected me for what I was going to do. And during this time, I made myself very accessible to God. I said, look, man, I've always lived my life with you, so now I'm going to back up and let you live through me. Whatever you want to do. And I've become a role model to a lot of people, which was crazy and crazy. And got involved with the chaplain's department, got involved with the praise and worship department, and started surrounding myself with different people. People talk about, well, I'm going to change my life, and I'm going to start here, and, one, and then I'll start living here. I started it in there, in the belly of the beast. You want drugs? It's in there. You want to kill somebody? It's in there. You want rape? It's in there. Every, every device that the devil has created is in there times ten, maybe more. But I made an ultimate choice in there to start living my life differently. And start living for myself. Some days I did all right. Some days I didn't do too well. But I always had a smile on my face. Because I knew no matter where I was at, I knew where I was going. And getting involved in the chaplain's group, I had met a guy several years back. We called him Blue. Blue, I love you, Blue. Um, he'd done most of his life and that's all he knew. And we were sitting back in commissary one day, and he said, i got to ask you something, Kevin. He said, why have you got a smile on your face? Man, we're locked up. We're doing hard back up on a level five of you. What is it? Are you getting pills from the pill window? No, dude, it's nothing like that. i got a high going on. It's never comes to touch. Amen. So I began to witness this brother sitting on 
pallets of rice. Well, then the captain comes in and he's like, y'all break it up, y'all want to date whatever or, or meet each other on visiting, you know, visitation stuff. But we, we, we broke it up. Well, then the chaplain calls me like months later and he's like, hey, Mr. Taylor's in the infirmary and wants to talk to you. I said, what's up with those blues? He said, die. He said, I've already talked to the warden. He said, we're going to go back there and he's going to give you 15 minutes with Mr. Taylor. So I walk in the door and he says, they let it happen. And I said, what's up, old man? He said, I want you to finish that conversation. I said, what conversation? He said, the conversation of Bible's life. So I shared Jesus Christ with this woman. And he said, now I want you to tell me how to get there because I don't want to die. And know that my, my, my whole eternity is going to be spent there. So I prayed that brother in the Christ who accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He died in the morning. That fired something in me that I have never felt in my life. <coughs> Many women that are in the infirmary, when they're at that point, they're locked behind the door, they don't get TV, they don't get phones, they don't get visits. And they're locked behind that door, not because they've done something wrong, because they're dying, and who cares? There is no contact. The only contact they get is back up to the door, put the bracelets on, escort you to the shower, take them off, you get a shower, you put them back on, you go back to your room, and you wait till you take your last breath. So, I'm sitting there on my cubicle, and I'm thinking, Why do they have to do this with So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I go to the chaplain, and I said, look, I'm going to put together an inmate-led hospice program. And he looks at me and laughs. He goes, come on. And I said, no, I'm dead serious. He said, an inmate-led hospice program? How would that even work? I said, I'm going to take inmates back there and love on these men. Pray with them. Read a letter to them. Write a letter for them. Or just be Because they're going to leave this place with nothing. So he tells me, he says, all right, he said, uh, you get with different people. You give me some, some written petitions. You'll need to go to the major, and you'll need to go all the way to the administration of the infirmary. So I get on it. Boom, boom, boom. Everybody signs up. I carry it back to the chaplain, and the chaplain's like, you're really interested. You're really going to do this. He goes, you know they're going to laugh you out of it. I said, no, I said, Peter was crazy. And he... He did what he did, and I said, oh, I'm that Peter. This is going to happen. So he gets me a meeting before the warden, and the warden we had at that time, and bless his heart, he never spoke. He grunted. And that's the only conversation he ever had. Mm -hmm. <coughs> yeah. mm -hmm. So I run it down to him, and he goes, okay, well, we'll think about it. And I said, wow, you didn't say no. He said, son, I said, but think about it. It's silent. Off or off. Two months later, Chaplain calls me back down to the office and he says, Hey, he said that, that hospice program you guys want to do? Yeah. He said they voted on it today. He said all 30 votes voted yes. And to this day, in five other units other than the All Red Unit, there is inmate led hospice programs where inmates are going back into these cells before these people pass on and they're loving them. And I can remember going back and, and seeing some of these guys, and one in particular, I'll never forget, 
we make the hole, we come all the way around, and we spend about 15 minutes with each person. And we get to this last guy, and he's laying in his bed, and I'll be on his glass. I said, hey, you want to visit? He said, ain't nobody comes to see me. I said, no, I'm going to visit with you. Why? And he's, he had bathed, he'd been refusing showers, his, his clothes were sold. And so they opened up the door. He said, yeah, whatever, we'll visit. And I said, uh, you know, I just, I just want to tell you I love you. Oh, is this one of God things? I actually did. Well, why would you come in here and waste your time to tell me this? I said, because I don't want you to leave this world alone. And at the very least, I want you to know that before you left, somebody said I love you. You don't know me to tell me that. I said, I don't have to know you to tell you I love you. And then we visited, and I said, can I pray with you before I leave? He goes, oh, there we go with that prayer thing. I don't believe in prayer, but do it. Do your thing. He said, I, I want to get back to my nap. So I, I prayed. I said, that will be done in your life. Whatever it is, it's got to go. And I could hear him while I was praying. Oh, yeah. So we we come back the next week, and he's beating on the glass. He's the last row. And he's like, I gotta see you first. I gotta see you first. <laughs> and I looked through the glass, and he's got his hair slicked back. He's got a little white t shirt. Oh, he looks good. I said, Can we open this one first? And the guard's like, Yeah, I think you need to. So they open the door, and this guy comes running, just wraps around me. Of course, the CEO's like trying to grab him. And he's like, No, 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 hold on. He goes, dude, that prayer stuff works. I said, what? He said, yeah, the prayer stuff works. He said, not only am I not going to die here, he said, I just got a letter this last week that says they're going to let me go home and I get to pass on to my brother's house. He said, but not only that, I know that when I die, I'm not going to spend time in hell. Back up a little. The whole life after met thing and everything that took place in was walking to work in a crowd of people. And, and if you've done any time, you know you're on the bowling alley. And if you don't know, the bowling alley is a piece of sidewalk with yellow lines and everybody is in white. So if you look down there, there's a bowling alley. Where you're paired up two by two, nobody talks, and I hear God again. Make your life about me, Kevin, because my business is in your home. I just got to set off. Ain't no reason for me to be thinking I'm going home. Live my life for you. I don't. All I know is, is a life after myth. He said, then that's what your life's going to be. But Lord, I, I don't, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. I don't talk to people. Make your life about me. And you make it that life after myth. I started that inside. With the hospital program. I remember being on the maintenance cart and we'd go to welded cells where the inmates would pour stuff up and you'd find bottles all in the trash can. I'd get them bottles out and I'd take them back to my cell and I'd clean them up. And yes, I'd hustle glue from other departments so I could glue them back together. And when I'd go back in the seg with these guys that got nothing more than a toilet, toilet paper and a cup, and it got to the point where, hey, it's the bottle guy. When we entered that cell, you could hear them all beating. I need a King James this. I need a Tom Everybody's going to And I'd run out of bottles. I'm digging in trash cans for bottles. There I am, dumpster digging. For Jesus Christ. Amen. Right. So, Mom had run across some in the church. 
And she said, look, these are lost and found. I'm going to send them to you. Well, as soon as I get them, they're gone. So then I write her and I tell her, look, I'm out of Bibles. And uh, have you got any more? And she said, no. Well, she talks to uh, another Sunday school teacher there. And uh, she said, hey, they're going to send you some Bibles. Well, chaplain calls me in the, in the chapel, and he's like, hey, he said, I've got you some Bibles. And I said, good. He said, but go get a cart from the major's office. I said, why? He said, go look. And it's 515 In that chapel, if you went in there to their library, you had books on vampirism, Satanism, Hinduism, not one Bible of any sort. None. Not a Bible at all. Not after that. Everything that I've ever done, I've done to the fullest. Everything that I ever do for him, I can remember a, a, a company came and they, they visited our church and they brought a ministry team with them and, and, and this is leading up to something very cool. The, the volunteers are right up on the wall and of course we're walking in and I see this guy and he just doesn't break contact with Looking at the whole town. And a buddy of mine in their pinhead, and uh, I know, it's, that's the best way. Um, pinhead's like, you, you know this guy from the world? I said, I don't know who he goes, he's looking at you pretty hard. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm in church. And he's like, oh, I don't even know this guy. And finally, he just breaks from the wall and comes over and grabs him. He goes, do you not realize what God's fixing to do with you? Do you not realize when this is fixing to happen and the Holy Spirit reaches into you, you're going to go back to that cell, you're going to get on that table, you're going to proclaim as loud as you can in front of everybody in there that Jesus Christ is Lord over your life because you're fixing to go home. You've got to start preparing your stuff. And the whole time this guy's doing this, I'm just like, what? And, I mean, he's broken and he's crying. And, I mean, he's just, he's just unloading. And the whole time it felt weird because I couldn't feel my feet on the ground. I remember looking down twice to see if I was still touching the floor. Just profound. Speed back up, I had uh, it been on my heart to fast. And everybody's like, so you're going to fast? What are you fasting for? What are you? I never fasted for nothing. I just fasted to be fasted. And it's like, well, you can't fast unless you're asking for something. I said, who says you got to ask for something? I'm just giving up this time. So I, I gave up 24 hours of no food. I know you can't tell. And Travis is back there going, yeah, right. He didn't try. Yeah. Miss mm-hmm. Hayes seen me. She's going, oh, no. Oh, no. You won't fast no food. But I did. And I broke fast. And it was two days later. Um... And we had Nigerian guards come in. They were really hard to understand. And the lady came in, she said, S-19, go to Cairo. Well, Cairo's is a program inside prison that is, is, is Cairo's, is, is Greek, it's Cronus for God's time, timing. And I said, there's no, there's no Cairo today. I'm S-19, there's no Cairo. No, you go to Cairo. I said, there's no Cairo's today. No, not what I'm saying. I say Cairo. That's what you're saying. And she's like, no, I'm saying Cairo. There's no Cairo's today. And finally she turned the paper around and said, Cairo. And I'm thinking, oh, I just got to sit up. Where am I going to go? 
So I eat down there. I'm number two in line. There's about 50 men on this gate. And she, the lady walks up. She goes, I'm going to call your name. Step up. I'll give you your results. I'm thinking, hey, why am I saying <coughs> And uh, it's the day before Thanksgiving holiday inside. And she calls the first guy up. And you see him talking. And he had guns down. I don't know why I'm here. So I'm, I'm not worried about the walk of shame and, and nothing else. Uh, I got on sale for a little while, so whatever. And as soon as he walks off, she says, well, Mr. Morgan, you're going to come up here? And I'm like, I just want to know my name. Hmm. I walk up, and of course, he's like this. Yes, ma'am? And she said, happy Thanksgiving. You got an FI, you're going home. What? What? And I remember her saying, catch your breath, old man. You're going to die of a heart attack standing right here. And I said, I'm going home. She goes, yeah, you're going to be changing and you're going to see me in And I'm just like, I'm bawling all the way down the sidewalk. I'm high-fiving people. And everybody's looking at me like, what's wrong with this dude? And I walk back in, and I got up on that thing. And I said, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is alive and well, each and every one of our lives, even here, I'm going home. Amen. I'm going home. So I get into the changes class. I'm doing a couple of weeks, and I'll never forget what they've done to me. My maintenance boss, my girl boss, come in, and it's about three weeks into the changes class. He goes, hey, what'd you do? I said, what are you talking about? He said, they took your parole. They didn't take my parole. He goes, no, they took your parole. Man, and I, I went right back. I mean, for a split second, went right back to that same old person. Well, if that's how it's going to be, it was bad. And all the way there, he goes, well, you've done something, because they did take your parole. So I walk in, and the parole officer walks out, and she goes, what did you do? And I could feel the heat just raising my face and up around my neck. I said, I didn't do nothing. I've done everything you people have asked me to do. They have seriously took my parole. And she said, yeah, because they gave you a one. You're going home in 15 days. And of course, I look at Isaac, and I'm like, oh, you're a child. <laughs> um, so then I faced with all I knew what I had lived in there but I also knew what I left behind it was scary it was scary I can remember getting home and not leaving mom's backyard for what a month or two I just did to go to the front yard was just no Maybe I, in my mind, I felt like the backyard was a wreck. I, I don't know. And, but I had inside, I had started a journal of what God has shown me to do. So I began to focus back on that. And I said, okay, the first year was to do a toy drive. Life after me did his toy drive in the first six months. And it grew from there. Everything that's in that journal is what God has put. Now, coming home with me, there's a lot of adjustments. Very humble. You get a lot of those little people that come back out of the world and say, hey, man, I've been saving this for you. I said, tell you what, I'll meet you, Brooke. And we'll talk. And if you don't have a pot before, if you pull that out of your pocket, I'm going to pull your head off of the pocket. And then we'll know. Oh, man, you going to come out and be like that? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I've lived all my life in trash and filth 
for the world and for myself. I said, I'm going to come out and live what he wants to live. I don't care what I feel like. I don't care how tired I am. I don't care what else is going on. And then when I get out, and I, I contact the brother of mine, and he said, hey, but two of us left. You're like that, right? I said, well, hey, well, such and such. Not that I really want to go hang out with nobody. I just want to know what everybody likes. Because I'm looking people up on this Facebook thing, and Mama tell you, when I got home, I didn't know how to use phone. When I left, I had a Nokia about this big. Mm-hmm. And now all this such stuff. And she would say, okay, I'm going to call you, and you try to answer me. And then she would laugh at me because I'm, I, I, I had no idea. But once I got through this Facebook thing, I'm trying to find these people, I couldn't find them. And my brother Troy said, well, this one's gone. That one's gone. This one's gone. This one's gone. I don't know. And I'm like, some loving people. I've met some really outrageous people. You know, that was, uh, that was the teacher, yes, the Sunday school teacher that, that sent the Bibles, that, that's mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was drawing because inside I used to draw horrible pictures and would wrap them off on the when I turned my life around, I began drawing pictures of Jesus, anything I paint, and I would send it to mom. And I said, Mom, just start giving them away. When the first year she tried to give away, the people were like, these are amazing. Here, and started paying for Well, instead of having to do the hustle inside, now my drawings of, of better taste were actually allowing me to buy my hygiene, deodorant, stuff like that. And there was one that couldn't go anywhere, just couldn't find a home. And it was a dad playing the guitar on the porch with his daughter. That was very pushing because when we leave that a lot, we hurt a lot of people. We hurt a lot of people. We just hurt a lot of us. And one of them is my daughter. God's been gracious enough for us to be able to connect with the guitar. And I can really play the cards in that house, that house, and she just watched me amazing. And I'm cool. And she would sit and just watch it. So anyway, I drew this picture. Mom couldn't find a home for it. And then uh, this individual had a, he taught Sunday school across the verse, was involved in children's church. He sponsored a big part of it. And Mom gave it to him. He's like, oh, well, this is cool. Well, who did it? Well, she said, my son. And Oh, well, that's great. You know, when it comes down to whatever it is, well, it's perfect. Well, where's he at? Well, he's on the whole way. And he's like, kind of humored by it. And mom's like, what? What, what is it? He said, well, what is my name? And she said, Bud. Well, what's my name? Bud Allred. 
His name is James B. Allred Jr. His great grandfather is going to be prison with him. You don't think God has made big, big circles. Coincidence? No. No. And that's actually the Sunday school class that put together the, the funds to raise for the father of some model to come to prison. Bud became a big mentor for, for several years. And it's kind of funny because I just seen him the other day. Um, but yeah, there I'm inside doing stuff for the Lord from the All Red unit, and one of these pieces of art goes to James B. All I just sent it to the same person who's prison thing. God has been working my life, my whole, whole life. I can remember at one point in my craziness, I had same church, and we had done the, the crucifixion of Christ, and I was the cross. I was on the cross. I was a thief in the penny. But we go out before this, and we make these crosses, and we just go out, and we chop down cedars, and we make crosses, and we stand them up, and nobody fits them. So then we realize we have to personalize our own crosses. That was kind of wild. So we had to measure them out, and everybody fit their own crosses. Well, we mounted them to pallet, but we had stage crew would know who's with what. They put silver reflected paint on it. That way you can have to when they know whose cross is whose. So my day is going to fit Jesus. But Scott Martin up there in Greensboro, that's a tall dude. I've never been his cross. But they made all these crosses. I fell away from God because I felt like God turned his back on me. And those crosses used to sit behind a mechanic shop that I had behind their church building. And my mechanic shop sat here. And I remember being in the shop. I got a ton of dope on the table. What's going on in that shop is, is just strikes on me more important. And I, the lightning hit. Boom! And I thought the shop blew up. Lights went out. Well, you know, I'm this big around. I could, I could hide behind that. Um, people would say, if you ate, I'd say, yeah, I had a saltine three days ago. No, no but anyway. Um... I go outside with my flashlight, trying to see, wow, that's cool, like whatever that was. And then I smell something smoking, but the tree behind the shop's not burning. So I walk over and I see where the cross is on, and one of them is just gone. Okay, it's a pallet sitting next to a metal building, and all that's left of this one cross is this much. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool, man. We don't want to cross it, man. I shine the light on it, and it's mine. How did lightning not hit the building? Anything else around, if you're talking a pallet, the building's right here, and all it took out was a cross. At that time of my life, I thought, oh, that's cool. What did I do? I went right back in that shop, put my face right back in that shop. Hit a cow doing 60 miles an hour, hit a cow head on, and it got a scratch on me. And I mocked God. That's it? That's all you got? until the beating on the shop door. Boom, 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 boom. I'm like, I know that knock. I know that Boom, boom, boom. And I opened the shop door, and of course it opened it inside. When I opened it, the pistol's in my face, and he's shaking. The sweat running down his face. And of course, I, I had never reached so far in all my life. I, I didn't think it could reach that far. And I'm going, oh my God, don't sneeze, dude. He goes, I know who you are, and I know what you're capable of. Don't move. I said, I ain't going nowhere, man. 
ain't going nowhere. Never seen day nothing. I can remember going in and going, hey, you got a bond? I went for a bell bar company. Right about here, it's huge. I walk in there, and the JP goes, well, 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 you're back. Yeah, man. Go ahead and get that bond back woman get up out of here. She said, 60000 I said, that's good with nothing. Half cash. Oh. Let me go ahead and get an orange suit and shower and say, yeah. can I get a mattress, a good one? Dang While in prison, I begin to write everybody letters. Oh, mom, oh, sis, oh, you this one, that one. And I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote, and I never heard nothing back for two years. Nothing. And your mom sent me her testimony. And I begin to realize what that I had caused. Because in her testimony, and it all kind of come together, in her testimony, it said, for years, I've told people I've had a story. I'm a doctor. That's the only mother I've ever known. And the first thing that comes to my mind is my own biological mother's of the woman. And then I've created so much hurt and damage to the one person that did doesn't want me either. That's not living. That is not living. That's not being alive. When I read that and I realized, oh, that's why when I go to a beauty shop, there's never pictures of me and the kids. That's why, oh my God. I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. That's a sad, sad situation that you put yourself in when the person that does accept you into the home, you live such a filthy, nasty life of embarrassment and ugliness, she doesn't even claim you. And now that's, that's my best friend. My mother is everything. I'm everything. But it took years of dedication and living, and she said she didn't see the difference in my letters. And the day that she came to visit, she just had Still reading from chemo. And we got her. God can do anything with anybody. God has let him do it. You can't go out here and pray, well, I want this and I need that and this and that and that and that, and then go over and live this stinking, filthy life. You get just never going to work. I've been in a Methodist church and upset a whole lot of people. You can't do dough and read the Bible. It doesn't make you a Methodist. <laughs> Sorry. It doesn't. Because I remember being in the dough game and half the people running around with the scripture. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Stop. You want to walk it. You've got to talk it. You've got to live it. You've got to breathe it. I mean, because I've had people say, Kevin, why is it? You can come out of prison. You can do anything you want. I am. I'm doing exactly what I want. Amen. I'm living exactly as I want to live. Has it been easy? No. Has it been amazing? Yes. Yes. I couldn't deal with death. I couldn't deal with nothing without sticking dope in my body. 
I couldn't breathe. I thought, well, I'm, uh, daylight's up. I got to do more dough. All the sun's going down. I got to do more dough. I can remember the highlight of the day, and I'll never forget it. I pull up at my buddy's house, and I'm in this big old noisy blazer, and I don't even realize it's nighttime what's going on, and when I turn it off, I hear it. Boom, 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 boom. And then I see the flash from the tree line, and my boy is, is around the side of the AK, and he's firing off, so I get up out of the truck, and I fire off across the top of the hood, and the wife I had at the time, I just grabbed her by the hair and shoved her down, and and she goes in the house, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's life, that's life. No, I'd never been more dead in my whole life. Yeah. I'd never been more dead in my whole life. Yeah. Oh, that was cool, man. Yeah, we were bam, 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 bam. And then the, the, the sheriff and the Cat, they're all up down the street, and they're knocking on the door. Y'all heard anything? No, no, we just were watching TV. And there's holes all over the yard.
I asked for it again, and then it hit me. say, come on, but I'm, I'm going to need you to, to, to do this and that. You've got to dress a certain way and, and you can't have tattoos and you, and, you, and you can't drive big trucks and you can't ride bikes. And he says, no, he says, come. All. But you're going to walk it. You've got to talk it. You've got to live it. You've got to breathe it. Everything. The relationship that I have with my mother is God. I put a lot of time and effort into it. Because it's something I truly wanted. But it's God that built and built it. And I heard a guy say one time, the same materials that you build a bridge with are the same materials you build a wall with. What are you going to do, build a wall? You're going to build a bridge. Yeah. I'm going to build a bridge. There's a retired officer, and she's going to try to make it. I wish she would have. And I know she's probably watching. Me and her used to get up, she would, we were like the coyote and, and the sheepdog in the cartoon. We both got up every morning, pushed the tire clock to bomb each other. <laughs> I'm grateful she who was who she was. Because she saved my life. And I can remember getting out of prison and, and, and going to report one day, and I see her sitting over in her squad car. But I still know who she is. So I stay on the other side of mine, which is two vehicles over, and I said, Miss Bach, turn and look. I see her hand. How you doing? How you doing? Do you remember me? Well, I, I don't remember. I said, I'm Kevin with Black Rock Command to do the toy drives for me on TV. And it dawned on us. Oh my God. Look at you. It's now a close friend. And prayer partner. You know that when you change your life in such a drastic way, that when you, you go into Walmart and you see the officers and, and they just let their buggy go to come over and they're in full gear and they hug you and embrace you. Hey, brother, how you been? That's something that never happened. Yeah. I mean, it never, I know it. It just doesn't happen. When you make that kind of turnaround and those kind of changes in your life to where what was this, what I used to always say and, and not, not back then they didn't want me but now I'm hot they all on me. But that's that's true. That's true. When you can sit with a group of judges and district attorneys and, and lawmakers and decide what we can do for a community, what can we change? What can we add? What can we take away? How can I help? And that's something I've always did. Lord, can you give me this? Lord, can you bless me this? Lord, can you do, can you do, can you do? No. My life now is, Lord, what can I do for you today? 
Well, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's bold. Sometimes God's going to put you in a situation that's not comfortable to you. But get out of your comfort zone. Get out there and love on somebody. Because somebody out there is hurting and broken and angry just like I was. Somebody out there has never heard pain. God bless you. I'll love you. I'll do this again. What do you got? Picture a cemetery. It's a cemetery you've never been in. See all the headstones? See all the markers, different sizes, different shapes? Picture yourself walking through the cemetery. You don't recognize the names. But then you begin to hear it. Nobody ever told me about God. Nobody ever told me about Jesus. Hear the voices? There's hundreds of them in this one cemetery. I never knew about Christ. I didn't know either. Nobody told me either. Keep listening. Now you hear the voice of the small children. Nobody ever told me either. Nobody ever told me about I will spend each and every stinking day of my life that the Lord allows me to live on this planet and tell people about God, tell people about Jesus. Whether it's something that I wear, something that I do, I will not stop. I'll live my life to the fullest for crap. And I'll live my life to the fullest for Him. Because somewhere somebody's broken. Somewhere there's a mom. Somewhere there's a dad. Somewhere there's a family. see me praying for that person. What if it on the time that Christ was put up on the cross if he had said, I, I don't have time for you today, Seth. Mom, I'm not feeling it today. I just, I don't feel like getting on the cross today. I, I know you're going to be beautiful place and, and just, I just, I'm not feeling it today. No, he didn't. He did exactly just, well, I ask for forgiveness and go back and do the same thing. You've got to live your life differently each and every day. The Word of God says, pick up your cross and follow me daily. Why? Because tomorrow's not granted. If you wake up and you get to see a whole other day, you better live your life according to His rules, not your own. Because your own rules are going to put you in prayer, put you in a penitentiary, and you're going to be forgotten. I used to go into the jails and the prisons and ask the guys, write a letter to yourself of the legacy you left behind. Did they come to dead again? 
did they stop and come to a half point? I have some regret of the life that I lived in the past, but I don't because it's taught me to where I am now. Because a guy at a certain time, a lot of us would listen to. But a guy that's lived there, I don't know all the addresses in Scripture. I don't know all the verses. But I do know this. I, I can tell you what he's done in my life. But I can tell you what he's done in other people's life. And that's the truth and that's the facts. But if you take the things and the places and the people that I've seen and the, and the resurrection in their lives, it's in that scripture. It's in his blood. Die, gals, the world is getting uglier day by day and it ain't going to get no better. You better be living for him. Move yourself out of the way. Because when he comes back, don't think for one minute he won't say, I don't know you. Well, I was at church on Sunday. But I went to the ladies' men to meet down on Wednesday nights or whatever. But where were you when you passed that single mom coming out of the grocery store that you watched couldn't afford to put stuff for grocery and she walked out in the empty basket yeah. and 200 kids? What were you at when your own community is starving from drug addiction and fentanyl and the crap is coming into our communities and you sat by and didn't do nothing about it? Where were you at when your next door neighbor comes to see you and says, hey, I got a family member that's hurting and our family's destroyed and you looked at him and said, I don't have time, I'm fixing to get in the pool. says we were all created in his image. All. He didn't say only created them. He didn't say only looking after those. Only the ones with the nice houses and the fancy trucks. Only the ones that's making six figures. He said all. Not one word of discrimination anywhere in the word of God. None. So why should we? I'm the one who used to represent that nasty field. Now what I want to represent is him. And love. Like the disciples asked God or asked Christ, when you're gone, how will they know us? He said, by your love for them. Not by what you live, not by where you work, not by who you are, not by your statue in the community. He said, by your love for them. We got churches in our own communities that shun this church and shun that church. Well, they don't think like we do, and we don't, and they don't eat what we do, and they just stop, stop. We got church leaders that will meet to discuss government politics. Okay, we can't do nothing about that. But what we can do is love on one another, help one another, encourage one another. I Man, I'd go out there and browbeat anybody all day long. How much better would the world be if I just love on you? Tell people in enough is enough. We're all given a cup. And that cup is running over. You can't contain it. Sadly, life, so many of us get that cup, we throw it down. Right. I've thrown my cup down a thousand times. Now I'm going to take my cup and I'm going to pour it into her cup. She's going to take her cup and pour it into her cup. And years and years. It'd be the same thing if one person stands up here and lighter, we can light off. A little lighter. 
But if we all come up here with a candle or a lighter or a flashlight and we all have that one light, if we all come together in one dark room, what happens is you put light into a room. Darkness fades. So if we're all shining a light, a light for him, how much brighter can we make a church, a school, a community? How much more of a difference can we make? Hey, it's easy to sit back in the house. We all heard that going on over there, Sam O'Neill. Yes, they've got a good problem over there. Safety in schools. Okay, are you talking about it? Are you doing anything? Uh, well, I know that family over there, they're broken. They're going through it. How did they figure it out? What? I'm beyond blessed. I have a unique family. I have a great relationship with my family. I'm 55, and I'm going to do all Either God puts a human or he's giving me a second chance. But as soon as we come out of the door, I tell the woman name of love.
on your heart in such a way that you want to get up here and run and surrender your life right now. You hear those children up there? going through and nobody's going to care if you change your life it's a lie 
because we do care, because God does care, and he's waiting on you. God has never failed, never, never failed anybody in this world or watching on social media. He's with us every single footstep we make. But he's waiting on you. sister, whatever it is, let it go. It means nothing. What it does mean is if you don't let go and you start being that Christ-like person and walking that life, it is going to matter when the time comes and you face judgment. And your family and your loved ones are standing there at the gates, standing next to the angels, but he tells you to step out because he doesn't know you. I got a grandmother obviously. And I'm going to see it. I got a brother that I'm going to see. And I bet he still is crazy and all the other things he is going to Make that difference. Make that change. Make that and do it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till the drive home. You ain't got to come up here to the altar and say, hey, I'm doing this differently. I'm, I'm getting out of the way, and I'm surrendering my life to Christ Jesus. Get in that car and have that conversation with him. And mean it. And then walk it. And then talk it. And represent it. Because we've all walked and represented enough trash. Father God, thank you for this day. I ask that you watch over each and every person leaving here. I ask that you watch over each and every person who's watching social media. God us and protect us. We bind the devil in the name of Jesus Christ. Those that are hurt and broken will reach out. Father God, I just ask that you place the Holy Spirit over all of us in such a way that we cannot keep our mouths shut. Amen.